Thank you for joining us on Drawing Near. Some churches, like some people, have it rough. Each church is unique, and the location they serve in is unique. In today's study, we examine Jesus' message to a church that was called to suffer. So take your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 2, and follow along as we study the church of Smyrna. Before we look at the scripture, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we thank you for all of your churches. We know that not every building out there that has a church sign out in front of it is truly one of your churches. There are imposters out there. But Father, there are also churches that don't have a church sign. There are churches in remote areas around the world who are meeting in houses and basements, in storerooms. Your body, your people, gather anywhere they are able, and some do so under intense persecution. Father, I thank you for each church, and I pray, Father, your blessing upon your people, your church, that you would watch over them and guide them until the day that we are all gathered together before Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, we read, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. As we look at Jesus' message to the seven churches, we need to ask a question. What exactly is a church? The word church means to be called out or the called out ones. It is a gathering or a collection of individuals, the number does not matter, who have been called to faith in Jesus Christ, who have been called out of the world to service to the Lord. They gather to encourage one another, to fellowship, but primarily to worship and to grow together in the faith of Jesus Christ. Each individual member is given spiritual gifts to use on behalf of the other members of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ himself is the head of this church. These individuals believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. They trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. That's a brief description of a church. The church itself is made up of individuals. Too often, I think, we look at the church as one large organization or one large entity. The church is the people, the individual parts of the body of Christ. So when we see these letters being written to these churches, these letters that go to the pastor and then to the church are being written to individuals to mothers and fathers, to children, 
to people of all ages, of all circumstances. They make up the body of Christ everywhere at all time. And we need to keep that in mind because when we read these letters, this isn't talking to some church building or some church organization. This is talking to you and me as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 8, we read, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Jesus describes himself in this letter as the one who is the first and the last. We saw that at least three times in chapter 1. Who was dead and came to life. Jesus is the beginning and the ending. Jesus is the all in all. He's not just the first and the last, but he's everything in between. That's the idea. Jesus is our completion. He's the totality of what we are about. He's the first and the last. He's the first word on anything. He's the last word on anything. He is also the one who was dead and came to life. And this refers to his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. Jesus conquered death in the grave. And the church always needs to keep this at the forefront of their thinking. Because our lives here on earth are fleeting. They're temporary. It is eternal life that we are looking forward to. And that's only made possible by the fact that Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins, was buried, and resurrected from the dead as the first fruits of the resurrection. All we who trust in Jesus Christ are going to resurrect unto eternal life. In verse 9 we read, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. Jesus knows the activity of the Smyrna church, just like he knows the activity of all churches. We will say that each and every time we look at these seven churches. Along with their works, their positive activities for the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows that the church of Smyrna endures tribulation for the name of Jesus Christ and are poor. They're in poverty. Not all churches are financially stable. Not all churches have the riches that other churches have. There are some very, very poor churches. I have preached in churches in Uganda where they do not have pews or comfortable seating. They don't have heat or air conditioning. They don't even have glass in their windows. They sit on timber that has been sawed in half or on mat floors on the ground. They have dirt instead of carpeting. They are in poverty. But you can be a church in poverty just like you can be a church out of poverty. But Jesus says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. What the Smyrna church had made them wealthy. They didn't have the material things, the financial things that make worshiping the Lord easier or more comfortable, but they were rich in the things that Jesus values. We will later see a church that appeared to be rich, but they were actually poor. Jesus says, I know that you suffer. I know that you do without. He goes on and says in verse 9, and I know the blasphemy or the lies, the false statement of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. 
There were those in the area, maybe even a handful inside the church, who claimed to be Jews, who claimed to be the chosen people of God, true followers. But they are not, but rather are of a synagogue of Satan. A true Jew believes in Jesus Christ. You cannot be a true Jew today and not be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can be a Jew by nationality, but you cannot be spiritually a Jew and accept God and reject his son, Jesus Christ. Those who claim to be Jews and are not, Jesus says, are of a synagogue of Satan. They may go to the Jewish synagogue, but if that Jewish synagogue does not center itself on worshiping their true Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not Jews. We read in Paul's letter that Gentile Christians who have been circumcised in the heart or who have trusted in Jesus by faith, they are the true Jewish people. Now, that's controversial to some, but that's exactly what the Bible says. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. These churches were already suffering tribulation, poverty, probably persecution from those who claimed that they were Jews and are not. But Jesus' counsel to them, first and foremost, is do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Jesus knew that they were going to suffer. He knew what was coming. They did not know what was coming. Maybe they were anticipating an ease or an end to their suffering, things to get better. But Jesus says things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. And I don't want you to be afraid. In other words, I want you to trust me through this time and not live in fear. Too much of the church today is in fear about everything that may happen. Jesus says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Then he says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. You've already been suffering tribulation and poverty, but now some of you are going to be thrown into prison, and you're going to be thrown into prison that you may be tested. James talks about the testing of our faith and how it produces a purer uh, faith, a greater faith, a greater life to serve the Lord with. So he says that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Now, I don't know if this is a literal 10 days or not, if it's figurative, but at least the tribulation is seen to be temporary. It's not going to last forever. But notice what it says at the end of verse 10, be faithful until death. In other words, they're going to suffer tribulation for 10 days, but that doesn't guarantee they're going to be set free. Rather, it seems to indicate that they need to be faithful until the point that they are killed as a result of their faith. Some people die for Jesus. All of us need to be willing to follow Jesus unto the point of death. That is clearly taught in the scriptures. Some of us will follow Jesus as long as the air conditioning is right or the heat is right, as long as the church isn't too big or too small as long as the music is just right or to our liking. We need to understand we're to follow Jesus, period. 
And we're to be faithful until death. And then Jesus gives this promise. Be faithful and I will give you the crown of life. Now, this isn't talking about a work salvation. It cannot be talking about a work salvation. But what it is talking about is we need to be faithful with an eye on the eternal prize. We need to press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ, knowing that we who trust in Christ will receive the crown of life. And then finally, in verse 11, we're told, He who has an ear to hear. I pray that each of us do. He goes on and says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, he who endures until the end, shall not be hurt by the second death. There is a first death, but there is also a second death. The first death separates us from our physical life. The second death condemns unbelievers to hell. If we are believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful, We will only die once. We die the physical death, and then we live for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. We may or may not be called to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. That suffering may look different for each believer or each congregation. But if we are called upon to suffer tribulation for Christ or persecution, we are called to not be fearful but rather to be faithful even unto death. I pray that we will see our walk with Christ in such a light. Father in heaven, guide us into understanding. Teach us through your word and the power of your spirit, through the example of those in the scriptures, what you desire from us, what you require from us. And Father, I pray that you would increase our faith that you would help us to be those individuals who would endure, persevere, and overcome. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.